This podcast contains content and language not suitable for some listeners. Welcome to Oddities and Curiosities, a podcast about murder, the paranormal, and other oddities sure to pique your curiosity. We are Amanda and Brittany. (laughs) Hey, girl. Hey. Hey. How you doing? How you doing? Mm. (laughs) Girl. (laughs) Hi, hello. Sup? (laughs) up dude okay we gotta stop (laughs) we gotta stop welcome to episode 28 yeah hollywood hollywood (laughs) i don't know why i don't know why (laughs) that was great (laughs) a reference from last week just became super relevant What's your dream i know that's what popped into my head first i was like no i can't say that again we already (laughs) used that we can use it again. It's not against What's the law. What's your dream? It's not against the law. <laughs> so yeah, it's episode 28. And it's also hump day. Hump day. So we got a hump day treat. And uh, sticking with the theme of Brittany's case. <laughs> I hate to give it away already, but you know. It is what it is. It is what it is. We made a little cocktail out of the book again, The Mixology and Murder. The name of our drink for the week is Dark Side Dahlia. Dun, dun, dun. Right? So it's got some gin, um, some stuff I can't pronounce, but it's a very, very dark red wine. It's dark, y'all. Barolo Chinato? I think. I, words are hard. Yeah. Y'all don't, <laughs> y'all don't hate me for that. Uh, some bitters, ice cubes, and a little cherry for the garnish little cherry on top if you if you can't guess who that's based off of i i can't help you just you, stay tuned just yeah. stay tuned and let me educate you come on guys <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be in a martini glass but we didn't have martini glasses no and who cares okay i couldn't like, find a bottle of that bar- barello whatever that shit is thirty dollars that for the cheapest Mm-mm. for the cheapest. Okay, we drink barefoot around we, here. We we ain't got that kind of money yet. <laughs> um, so we substituted. It said you could substitute with a cabernet, but Brittany had some red wine at her house, and it's actually it's a red table wine. There's yeah, cabernet in it. It's, it's doing fine. the job. It looks like we're drinking blood. If you like <laughs> red wine, you, you will love, love this. this drink. Yeah. It's not bad. We we added a little bit of cherry juice in it to give it a. We don't drink sweetness. red wine. No, sorry. But we're taking one for the team. Mm-hmm. It's not that bad. It just has that red wine aftertaste that I'm not a fan of. Hmm. It's set there for a minute. Do we need to let it aerate? Probably. Ah. Oh. oh. Look, we sound like uh, small yays. I do like it better without all the ice cubes. Like it's chilled. Without the watered down flavor. So I'm glad I took the ice out. I like it better now. No, I'm going to have to water that shit down. <laughs> That's so strong. <laughs> That's some strong red wine. Ooh, my face. But I'm going to drink red. this. I'm going to drink this for y'all. <laughs> for y'all. <laughs> for y'all. 
She's so cute. <laughs> I can't. I can't with you. Okay. Yes, you can. That's why you keep coming back. You're right. Every week. It's insanity. Probably. <laughs> so. Okay. So. Stop. Amanda. I was opening up your case. I'm sorry. You, it was right on top of it. She peeked at the pics. She I peeked did. at the pics. Oh. Stop it. Anywho. Anywho. Oh, face right now. It's just like. <laughs> Excited and oh shit at the same time. <laughs> Shit's going to get real. It's just going to get real. Okay. But before we dive right into that. Right. Sorry. Go to the Facebook and the Instagram so your face can look like Amanda's. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see all the pics from our cases. Mm-hmm. Because these are really good ones. They're all really good ones. Who yeah. are you getting? I know. So, yeah, do that, the social media thing. Yeah, all those. Facebook, Instagram. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's it. <laughs> I mean, I still post the stuff on Twitter, but it's just. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. It is what it is with Twitter. <laughs> if you do the twit, we're there. It's our stepchild. <laughs> I don't. It's, it's fine. <laughs> okay, so what else? Do we have any housekeeping or are we just going to go? Let's just go. Okay. Let's just jump into it. We chit-chatted enough last week. I think we're good. Yeah. No more chit-chat. Down to business. Okay. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Whoop-ow! whoop <laughs> You can't do anything! I got a little stern there. She did. <laughs> okay. Yes, ma'am. How do you use my mom voice? I don't... Don't do that to me. <laughs> 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 we have to use our mom voices on each other every once in a while because it, it happens. We are extremely both indecisive, mm-hmm. and uh, every now and then somebody both indecisive, <laughs> both extremely both- indecisive. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it when it came out. Like, anyway, right? So she has to yell at me every once in a while. She's like, "Would you just pick something?" Yes, okay. Or she'll just say, "We're doing this." Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes you just have to. I know. I need you in my life. <laughs> what? What? Okay, do your case. <laughs> I don't even know what's happening anymore. I don't either. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that okay. was horrible. <laughs> We're professionals. Y'all don't listen to us anymore. Just <laughs> We're professionals. No, do listen. Do listen. Okay. My case is on the Black Dahlia. Yeah, baby. Yes. Okay, so we are going to do a super awesome condensed version because this story goes on for days. Yes, it does. Days and days. So here we go. Yeah, I'm excited to hear it from you, though. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> On the morning of January 15th, 1947, a mother taking her child for a walk in a Los Angeles neighborhood, Limert Park, happened upon a gruesome sight. It was the body of a young naked woman sliced clean in half at the waist. The body was just a few feet from the sidewalk and posed in such a way that the mother thought it was a mannequin at first. It's It's never never a mannequin! mannequin! (laughs) (laughs) Ashley Flowers will tell you that. Yes. Queen. Okay. Despite the extensive mutilation and cuts on the body, there wasn't a drop of blood at the scene. This evidence indicated that the young woman had been killed elsewhere. 
This was a highly publicized case due to the devastating nature of the crime. The investigation was led by the LAPD, and the FBI was asked to help, and they quickly identified the body. It took just 56 minutes after getting fingerprints for them to identify the body. Damn. The young woman turned out to be a 22-year-old Hollywood hopeful named Elizabeth Short. So, if you want to go to the notes and look at the picture that says Elizabeth Short, there's a picture of her. She's so gorgeous. I know. That black hair hair and that dark red lipstick. Like green eyes and brunette. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Get it, go. Uh-huh. She was later dubbed the Black Dahlia by the press for her rumored penchant for sheer black clothes and for the Blue Dahlia movie out at the time. Nice. Short's fingerprints appeared twice in the FBI's massive collection. First, because she had applied for a job as a clerk at the commissary of the Army's Camp Cook in California in January 1943. Okay. Second, because she had been arrested by the Santa Barbara police for underage drinking seven months later. Oops. (laughs) I mean, we've all done it. She just got caught. She's a bad girl. Okay, whatever. (laughs) Let's hang out. The Bureau also had her mugshot in its files and provided it to the press. So if you want to go look, I got a picture of the mugshot. Yeah. It is labeled mugshot. Look at them cheekbones in that mugshot. She still looks so good. I know. I mean, that hair is wild. Yeah, it's wild, but it looks like she's blowing in the wind. Like it, Yeah. That's a good photo. With them cheekbones, though. Hey, Jesus. Guys. Yeah. Okay. The FBI ran records checks on potential suspects and conducted interviews across the nation. The LAPD began an extensive investigation that produced over 150 suspects, but yielded no arrests. Based on early suspicions that the murderer may have had skills in dissection because the body was so cleanly cut... Agents were also asked to check out a group of students at the University of Southern California Medical School. Yeah. And in an interesting potential break in the case, the Bureau searched for a match to fingerprints found on an anonymous letter that may have been sent to authorities by the killer. But the prints weren't in the FBI files. Who killed the Black Dahlia and why? I don't know. It's a mystery. The murderer has never been found, and given how much time has passed, probably never will be. I know. That's what frustrates me so much about this case. I know. I hate unsolved cases. It drives me crazy. Like, it's such a good case, but... Yes. Um, So, let's get into the deets. Yeah. Elizabeth Short was born on July 29th, 1924, in the Hyde Park section of Boston, Massachusetts. The third of five daughters of Cleo A. Short and wife Phoebe May Sawyer. So, Phoebe. I've got a picture of her as a as a child. Look at the childhood picture. Oh, <laughs> she kind of looks fresh. Yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> little baby Dahlia. <laughs> I know, and the little headband. Oh, she's so cute. So, uh, Short's father built miniature golf courses until he lost most of his savings in the 1929 stock market crash. In 1930, his car was found abandoned on the Charleston Bridge, and it was assumed that he had jumped into the Charles River. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. 
In late 1942, Short's mother received a letter of apology from her presumed deceased husband, which revealed that he was, in fact, alive and had started a new life in California. Yeah. Because Crazy. men. Crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah. Fucking men. Because men. In December, at age 18, Short relocated to Vallejo, California, to live with her father, whom she had not seen since age six. What? Arguments between her and her father led to her moving out in January 1943, so she was there for, like, a month. Okay, okay. Shortly before her death, she had been working as a waitress and rented a room behind the Florentine Gardens nightclub on Hollywood Boulevard. It is commonly believed that she was an aspiring actress, though she had no known acting credits or jobs during her time in Los Angeles. On January 9, 1947, Short returned to her home in Los Angeles after a brief trip to San Diego with Robert Red Manley. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Manley. A 25-year-old married salesman she had been dating. Oh. <laughs> well, never mind. That's not okay. Nope, he goes in the douchebag box. Yep. Manley stated that he dropped Short off at the Biltmore Hotel in downtown Los Angeles and that she was to meet her sister who was visiting from Boston that afternoon. Staff of the Biltmore recalled having seen Short using the lobby telephone. Shortly after, she was allegedly seen by patrons of the Crown Grill Cocktail Lounge approximately three-eighths of a mile away from the Biltmore. I did it. You did it. Nailed it. <laughs> I was just trying to be quiet. <laughs> so you wouldn't have to edit that That was a mouthful. Out. It was a mouthful. I was going. That's what she said. <laughs> Crown Grill Cocktail Lounge, approximately. <laughs> I need a drink after you that. You do. It was so much. <laughs> woo. Y'all. Yeah. She wooed. Woo. Twice. <laughs> this will burn your nose hairs, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. It does burn <laughs> nicely. <laughs> Please make this drink. <laughs> On the morning of January 15th, 1947, Short's naked body was found severed into two pieces on a vacant lot. Mm -mm. So I have some crime scene pictures. One of them is quite graphic. Yep. It says crime scene graphic. Okay. I <gasps> do not know yet if I'm going to add this to the list because this picture was taken... Uh, Before the police arrived at the scene by a reporter. And so it's all of it. It's everything. You see everything. Uh, so we might need to save that one. Ooh. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, how she wow, was found. Wow. It's all, yeah. Oh my gosh. Don't zoom in. I did. Why? Don't zoom because in. Because I'm me. I don't. Go to the next one. Yeah. Go to the next crime scene photo. Okay. Okay. You can post that one. We'll post this one. It's got a blanket over. Yeah. Because she was... I mean, you can still I mean, see... she was completely naked, so... Her face that, and her feet sticking out. Yeah. And you, you can, can still see tell enough. that she was sliced in half. Yeah, there's an indention there. But, yeah. Poor little baby. She, right there by the sidewalk. I mean, right by the sidewalk. Yeah. My gosh. I know. Insane. Oh. At the time, okay. uh, Limert Park was largely undeveloped. Betty Bursinger discovered the body around 10 a.m. while walking with her three-year-old daughter. Mm. I know. Oh. Poor little baby. Hopefully she doesn't remember that. I know. When she realized it was a corpse, she rushed to a nearby house and telephoned the police. Mm. Short's severely mutilated body was completely severed at the waist and drained of blood. Yeah. 
Medical examiners determined that she had been dead for around 10 hours prior to the discovery, leaving her time of death either sometime during the evening of January 14th or the early morning hours of January 15th. Okay. The body had apparently been washed by the killer. Ew. I know, that's so fucked off. I mean, it's all fucked off, but yeah, there's like an extra something when to it do for me. Stuff to the body afterwards, like that. Ugh. I know. I don't know. That creeps me out. <laughs> That's what creeps me out. I mean, it's all creepy, but that extra little like, yeah, it really because it's is. different than murdering someone like in the heat of the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you yeah. Ugh. Okay. Short's face had been slashed from the corners of her mouth to her ears, creating an effect known as the Glasgow smile. Oh. So, I have a picture of that also. I don't know if we need to share it or not, but it says corpse graphic. Okay. That's on the examining table. Oh, my. Yeah. Uh, She's unrecognizable. I warned you. You can't post that. Okay. We can't post that. You can't post that, but it's... If you're into it, we will send it to you if you message us. I'm going to tell you right now, though. But y'all, or you can Google it yourself. I was fixing to say those came up immediately in my Google search. All I did was Google Black Dahlia, um, Elizabeth Short, and looked at images. And I mean, they came up. But yeah. If you're into that, these are really good pictures. Um, If you're not, don't, 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 don't. It's bad. Wow. She had several cuts on her thigh and breasts where entire portions of flesh had been sliced away. The lower half of her body was positioned a foot away from the upper and her intestines had been tucked neatly beneath her buttocks. Ew! Why? Oh! Why? I don't, I'm going to have to go back and look at the photo. I don't understand why. I mean, I'm not a murderer. But uh, I don't understand why. Okay. The corpse had been posed with her hands over her head, her elbows bent at right angles, and her legs spread apart. Mm -hmm. A crowd of passersby and reporters began to gather. Los Angeles Herald Express reporter Aggie Underwood was among the first to arrive at the scene and took several photos of the corpse and crime scene. Near the body, detectives located a heel print on the ground amid the tire tracks and a cement sack containing watery blood was also found nearby. Oh my gosh, they could so crack that today. I know. Ugh! An autopsy of Short's body was performed on January 16, 1947 by Frederick Newbar, the Los Angeles County Coroner. Newbar's autopsy report stated that Short was 5 feet 5 inches tall, weighed 115 pounds, and had light blue eyes, brown hair, and badly decayed teeth. Mm. There were ligature marks on her ankles, wrists, and neck, and an irregular laceration with superficial tissue loss, in quotes, on her right breast. Hmm. Yeah. Irregular. Okay. Irregular laceration with superficial tissue loss. Another mouthful of words. Newbar also noted superficial lacerations on the right forearm, left upper arm, and the lower left side of the chest. Mm. The body had been cut completely in half by a technique taught in the 1930s called a, I'm going to try to say this word. Okay. Hemicorporectomy. If you say it a little bit faster, you got it right. Hemicorporectomy. There you go. Ha! Nailed it. (laughs) Newbar's report noted very little bruising along the incision line, suggesting it had been performed after death. 
The skull was not fractured, but there was bruising noted on the front and right side of her scalp with a small amount of bleeding on the right side, consistent with blows mm-hmm. to the head. The cause of death was determined to be hemorrhaging from the lacerations to her face <gasps> and uh, shock from blows to the head and face. Oh, Oh, God. Newbar noted that Short's anal canal was dilated, suggesting that she might have been raped. Samples were taken from her body, testing for the presence of sperm, but the results came back negative. Oh, my God. I'm so sad for this poor baby. Short was identified after her fingerprints were sent to the FBI. Her fingerprints were on file from her 1943 arrest. Immediately following Short's identification reporters from the los angeles examiner contacted her mother in boston okay this whole paragraph is like ridiculously fucked up okay ridiculously fucked up reporters suck ass sorry (laughs) if you listen and you're a reporter but this is fucked off okay reporters from the los angeles examiner contacted her mother in boston and told her that her daughter had won a beauty contest it was only after prying as much personal information as they could from Phoebe that reporters revealed that her daughter had in fact been murdered. The That's how she found out. Oh my God. Yes. N- no. No, bitch. See? No. That's why I said reporters suck. Maybe not all of you, but reporters suck. There's good ones and there's bad ones. Mm, these ones suck. Oh, oh my God. I'm not done though. Can you, uh, hold You're on. You're not done. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Honey. Mm. The newspaper offered to pay her airfare and accommodations if she would travel to Los Angeles to help with the police investigation. That was yet another trick since the newspaper kept her away from police and other reporters to protect its scoop. God. I have so many cuss words coming out of my mouth right now. I can't. That was so pretty. The examiner later sensationalized the case with one article describing the black tailored suit Short was last seen wearing as a tight skirt and sheer blouse. She was wearing a suit, bruh. Yeah. Yeah. The media. Okay. Did men write that? Yes. Okay. Of course they did. Yeah, they did. It's 1947. Who the fuck do you think wrote that? Of course they did. Men. The media nicknamed her as the Black Dahlia and described her as an adventuress who prowled Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> Fuck you. She was a strong, confident woman who looked good in her clothes. Yeah, Fuck an off. adventuress who prowled. So they're, are they trying to say she was a prostitute? I think that's what they were hinting towards. Yeah, that's what the fuck you was for. Yeah. No, she wasn't. No. She was a queen. <laughs> yeah. she did. So what? <laughs> all right (laughs) we found amanda's button (laughs) you do you boo (laughs) that makes me think of pretty woman again i know that's that's where it's coming from like don't take less than a (laughs) hundred take care of you (laughs) oh my god Work it on Work it, it. baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, I say who, I say when, I say how much. Maybe she's a Vivian. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> okay. Back to the case. Okay. <laughs> Um, additional newspaper reports, such as one published in the Los Angeles Times on January 17th, deemed the murder as a, a sex fiend slaying. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I would say so. Uh, <laughs> are you okay over there? Uh, that's just how I feel about the examiner. Look, it's making me drink. Yeah. It's making me drink. Cheers. Yeah. Oh. Woo. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So many sound effects. <laughs> Ew. And, and this is why we're not on YouTube. <laughs> Can't laugh that hard. Oh, I'm sorry. Amanda's still dying. <laughs> Amanda's still dying. It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> red wine makes us silly. Oh my god. That's why that red... This... The... the <laughs> The red barefoot Moscato, and I was like, no, that's not right. (laughs) (laughs) We are talking about murder. (laughs) Pull yourself together, woman. And we're back. On January 21st, 1947, a person claiming to be Short's killer placed a phone call to the office of the editor of the Examiner, congratulating him on the newspaper's coverage of the case and stated he planned on eventually turning himself in. Additionally, the caller said to, quote, expect some souvenirs of Beth Short in the mail, end quote. Beth? Yeah. Okay. On January 24th, um, so that's three days later, A suspicious manila envelope was discovered by a postal worker. The envelope had been addressed to the Los Angeles Examiner and other Los Angeles papers Mm. with individual words that had been cut and pasted from newspaper clippings. Additionally, a large message on the face of the envelope read, Here is Dahlia's belongings, letter to follow. The envelope contained Short's birth certificate, business cards, photographs, names written on pieces of paper, and an address book with the name Mark Hansen embossed on the cover. Excuse me? I know. What? What? The packet had been carefully cleaned with gasoline, similar to Short's body, which led police to suspect the packet had been sent directly by her killer. Despite the efforts to clean the packet, several partial fingerprints were lifted from the envelope and sent to the to the FBI for testing. However, the prints were compromised in transit, of course, and could not be properly analyzed. The same day the packet was received by the examiner, a handbag and a black suede shoe were reported to have been seen on top of a garbage can in an alley a short distance from Norton Avenue, two miles from where Short's body had been discovered. Okay, that was hers. The items were recovered by police, but they had also been wiped clean with gasoline, destroying any fingerprints. Yeah. Yeah. So they were definitely hers. So they ruined that black suede shoe. And the purse. hmm I know. Cinderella. <laughs> Where's your other shoe? <laughs> Pretty woman again. Cinder fucking Rella. <laughs> <laughs> that movie. See? Oh, it is so pertinent to this mm-hmm. case. Like, I know. We, we should probably watch it. Yeah. Ooh, movie night. Yes. Oh. For our non-existent movie night. We've got like, mm. I'd venture to say 50 hours worth of movies planned for movie night. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. 
Because after this episode, we're at least going to have two. Yeah. That we got to watch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. Okay. On March 14th, an apparent suicide note scrawled in pencil on a bit of paper was found tucked in a shoe in a pile of men's clothes by the ocean's edge at the foot of Breeze Avenue, Venice. That was a lot of words as well. Yeah, it was. The note read, quote, To whom it may concern, I have waited for the police to capture me for the Black Dahlia killing, but have not. I am too much of a coward to turn myself in, so this is the best way out for me. I couldn't help myself for that or this. Sorry, Mary. End quote. <laughs> Who the fuck is Mary? Yeah. The pile of clothes was first seen by a beach caretaker who reported the discovery to the lifeguard captain. He immediately notified Captain L.E. Christensen. It sounds like a movie. It does. Of West Los Angeles Police Station. The clothes included a coat and pants of blue herringbone tweed. Okay. A brown and white t-shirt. White boxers. Tan socks. And tan moccasin leisure shoes. (laughs) Ew. (laughs) Hello, 40s. (laughs) He did not dress well. In the 40s, he was looking pretty smart, probably. Ew. No. Ew. Well, I say ew now, but in the 40s, that may not have been ew. Tweed pants. Herringbone. <laughs> and, and coat. Brown and white t-shirt. Tan I, socks and tan moccasins. He I want to know. Boring. He was uh, beige. He was boring. <laughs> well, no, his suit was blue. Whatever. I want to know if he had a hat on. Why do you want to know if he had a hat on? Because they wore lots of hats in the 40s, and I really like a good hat. Did he have a hat? And, like, the little... Where was the hat? Black frame glasses. His murderer glasses. Yeah. Yeah. You know he had glasses. He had to have glasses. Mm Mm-hmm. But the clothes gave no clue about the identity of their owner. Please. We just profiled him. I mean, Uh, I don't don't know what else y'all need. I don't know. They're (laughs) they're dicking around as the mom and, uh... They just need to ask us. <laughs> the mom in uh, Bad Mom's Christmas. <laughs> Amy, you're dicking around. Mom, I am not dicking around. Yes, you are. You're dicking around. <laughs> I love that movie. Sorry, I said dick a bunch of times. That was probably Peen. Rude. Well, peening around does not sound good. <laughs> I know. It doesn't have the same effect. <laughs> I think that's like the legal podcast term, though. Peening around. Peen. <laughs> Because I hear them say that a lot, no, right? Y'all hear it. Y- y'all hear it. No one in other podcasts. No one they say peen. it. Who says peen? Ashley Flowers. She says peen. She says peen. She would say a dirty word like that. I know. Ashley Flowers doesn't say dirty words. I have to listen to her when I'm feeling like a good girl. <laughs> that sounded really dirty. <laughs> Just. Back to the case, Amanda. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> when I'm feeling like a good girl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Calm down, woman. That's why we're friends. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> Police quickly deemed Mark Hansen, the owner of the address book found in the packet, a suspect, of course. Hansen was a wealthy local nightclub and theater owner and an acquaintance to friends Short had stayed with. And according to some sources, he also confirmed that the person Shu discovered in the alley were, in fact, shorts. How did he know? I don't know. Oh, they did just 
No, that wasn't the guy she went on the trip with. That was Menly. Well, how did he know? Ooh. Ooh. What's he look like? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Now that we've gotten rid of Manly since he's a cheater. Yeah, and we profiled what he looks like. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Ann Toth, Short's friend and roommate, told investigators that Short had recently rejected sexual advances from Hanson. Oh, so he's ugly. And suggested it as potential cause for him to kill her. However, he was cleared of suspicion in the case. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, okay. Manly, who had (laughs) been one of the last people to see Short alive, was also investigated, but was cleared of suspicion after passing numerous polygraph examinations. Polygraph doesn't mean shit. I was fixing to say, which we know is bullshit. Yep. Don't do it. Don't do it. Never take a polygraph test. No. It's stupid. It means nothing. Police also interviewed several persons found listed in Hansen's address book, including Martin Lewis, who had been an acquaintance of Short's. Lewis was able to provide an alibi for the date of Short's murder, as he was in Portland, Oregon, visiting his father-in-law, who was dying of kidney failure. Why did that sound chipper? <laughs> <laughs> I just sounded like a reporter. That was your newscaster voice. Oh, God. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> so much. On January 26th, another letter was received by the examiner, this time handwritten, which read, quote, Here it is. Turning in Wednesday, January 29th, 10 a.m. Had my fun at police. Black Dahlia Avenger, end quote. <laughs> what? <laughs> Had my fun at police. What? I, I don't know. What does that mean? I guess I don't know. had my fun with police, maybe. maybe. But that's how it was written, so that's how I put it, and it bugs me to see the little blue squiggly lines of bad grammar on my paper. I know, but it's a quote, so you can't... I know, but it really bugs ah! me to see the blue squigglies. I know, OCD. Okay, move on. Okay. Go, go. We have to scroll past it. Okay. <laughs> the letter also gave the location at which the supposed killer would turn himself in. Police waited at the location on the morning of the 29th, but the alleged killer did not appear, of course. Hmm. Instead, at 1 p.m., the examiner offices received another cut-and-pasted letter, which read, quote, Have changed my mind. You would not give me a square deal. Dahlia, kill- Dahlia killing was justified, end quote. Because? Would not give him a square deal. What the fuck was he asking for? And when did it tell me that he was asking for something? Because. 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 Men. Oh, I was like... <laughs> Did I miss something? <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> it's the only explanation because, that I have because, for that. I changed my because, mind. Because, 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 because. Because. Because of the fucked up things he does. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Done. <laughs> what? What just happened? They do the little duh at the end. I put in the extra duh. I like the duh. Duh, 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 duh. Duh. (laughs) The graphic nature of the crime and the letters received by the examiner have resulted in a media frenzy surrounding Short's murder. Both local and national publications covered the story heavily, many of which reprinted since... Sensationalistic reports. <laughs> yeah. She did it. She did it. 
There was a little dance with that. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Suggesting <laughs> that Short had been tortured for hours prior to her death. Ew. The information, however, was false, yet police allowed the reports to circulate so as to conceal Short's true cause of death, cerebral hemorrhage, from the public. Okay. Further reports about Short's personal life were publicized, including details about her alleged declining of Hansen's romantic advances. Mm-hmm. Additionally, a stripper, their words, not mine, mm-hmm. who was an acquaintance of Short's, told police that she, quote, liked to get guys worked up over her, but she'd <clears throat> leave them hanging dry, end quote. She was such a tease. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I hate that. I hate it. I hate all I of hate it. I hate that phrase. Yeah. This led some reporters and detectives to look into the possibility that Short was a lesbian and began questioning employees and patrons of gay bars in Los Angeles. So what? Who cares okay. if she's a lesbian? Thank you. Ugh. This claim remained unproven. By the spring of 1947, Short's murder had become a cold case with few new leads. Sergeant Finnis Brown. That is a horrible name. I'm sorry. Ugh. I'm sorry, Finnis. Why? One of the lead detectives on the case blamed the press for compromising the investigation through reporters probing of details and unverified reporting. Of course. Duh. Yeah, absolutely. Short's unsolved murder and the details surrounding it have had a lasting cultural intrigue, generating various theories and public speculation. Police came to consider George Hill Hodell Jr., a mm-hmm. suspect after the 1947 murder of Elizabeth Short. He was never formally charged with the crime and came to wider attention as a suspect after his death when he was accused by his son, Los Angeles homicide detective Steve Hodell, oh. of killing Short and committing several additional murders. Why? Prior to the Dahlia case, he was also a suspect in the death of his secretary, Ruth Spalding, <laughs> but was not charged. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> and... Was answered. accused of raping his own daughter, Tamar, but acquitted. The fuck? I know. He fled the country Ew. several times and spent 1950 to 1990 in the Philippines. Several crime authors, as well as Cleveland detective Peter Merlot? Merlot? Yeah. Merlo? Yeah. Merlot. Merlot. <laughs> have suspected <laughs> a link between the short murder and the Cleveland torso murders, which took place in Cleveland, Ohio, ah. between 1934 and 1938. As part of their investigation into other murders that took place before and after the short killing, the original LAPD investigators studied the torso murders in 1947, but later discounted any relationship between the two cases. The possible connection between Short's murder and the Torso murders received renewed media attention when it was profiled on the NBC series Unsolved Mysteries in 1992. Okay. There are many, many, there are many, many, many other theories and like crazy things running around out there. Those were just the two big ones. Yeah. Yeah. All the other ones are kind of, yeah, not worth mentioning. But I listened to, um, no, I didn't listen to it. I watched it on something about the um, George Hodel Jr. Yeah. About him. Oh, did you? Yeah. About him being a suspect. Okay. But I didn't get into all of those. I just told the two main ones. Okay. Um, theories or whatever. Her life and death have been the basis of many books and films, and her murder is frequently cited as one of the most famous unsolved murders in American history as well as one of the oldest unsolved cases in Los Angeles County. 
It has also been credited by historians as one of the first major crimes in post-World War II America to, oh, <clears throat> excuse me, to hold national attention. Yeah. The end. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you. I had always, like, I had known bits and pieces from watching little things yeah. about the Black Dahlia case. But when American Horror Story came out, uh -huh. the first season, yeah, when I watched that, it, like, reignited. And that's when I watched something that had that George Hodel thing in it. But we need to figure out what that was. Because that would be cool to watch. Yeah. Like, to find out more yeah, about I'll him. I'll have to figure it out. I don't remember what it was. Um because it wasn't a whole Black Dahlia thing. It was just okay. part of something else. But I, it was a long time ago. I had to figure it out. Maybe y'all can help us find it. Yeah. Come on, sleuths. You can do it. We believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> no? Yeah. I, yeah. Mean, I mean, we do, but. <laughs> <laughs> but that was my case. Well done, ma'am. Thank you. Well done. Well done. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> <laughs> that movie applies to everything today. I know. <laughs> All right, you guys. My case breaks my heart. I can't. I can't. How are you going to read this case? I can't do it. Okay. Pull up your big girl panties, woman. All right. <laughs> <laughs> she did that. I popped my pants. She popped her pants. <laughs> All right. My case is about sweet. Precious, adorable, angelic Brittany Murphy. Oh, my God. I love her. Oh, my God. What? Did you birth her? Were y'all dating? Like, what? <laughs> it, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just love her. Shut up. <laughs> Calm down, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. <clears throat> All right. Here we go. Brittany Ann Bertolotti was born in Atlanta, Georgia to Sharon Kathleen Murphy. Murphy? Murphy. To Sharon Kathleen Murphy and Angelo Joseph Bertolotti. They divorced when she was two. She was raised by her mother in Edison, New Jersey. You did not. <laughs> you want me to read the whole sentence in my accent? I would I rather you it. not. I, I would do rather it. you not. I'm, I'm not here for that. <laughs> I, I even practiced it. If you practice, then I want to hear it, boo-boo. I didn't really practice it, but when I was reading, I was like, the, the New Jersey accent was like playing in my head. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so I was like, she was raised by her mother in Edison, New Jersey. This <laughs> is, is, is what was going on in my head. <laughs> okay. Well, my life's complete now. There you go. <laughs> she had two older half brothers and a younger half sister. Prior to her enrolling at Edison High School, the family moved to Los Angeles in 1991 so that Brittany could pursue an acting career. Yes. I have a picture of baby Britt. Okay. Okay. Her so pretty. Isn't she cute? That's like yes. the one and only photo of her and her dad. Up She's at the top. So cute. How cute is she? Do you see who she went to? Uh, I think that was Homecoming. Do you see who that is? No, who is that? That's Jonathan Brandis. Oh, okay. I had to zoom in on him. Uh, yeah. 
Look at her dress. She and, outshines him. Uh oh my god. I had such a big crush on him when I was younger. <laughs> if y'all haven't seen the mo- the movie uh Ladybugs, he was in that. He was in something else too, and I can't remember, but damn, he was hot. <laughs> I'm so jealous. He looks like, um, this picture, in this picture, he looks like, have you seen the meme where if you had a crush on boys with this haircut, you need night cream I know, or whatever? I know. Like, that was, oh, <laughs> boy. <laughs> but look, okay, the teal dress that she's wearing, yeah. fabulous. That would be stylish now. And the teal tights, come on. I know. I would wear those. Rockin'. Yes. She's so gorgeous. I know. Look how adorable she is with her little bouncy curls. I know. Um, That picture where she's waving. Yeah. She was like waving at her grandmother. Her grandmother was taking the photo. I know. She's so cute. Okay. Sorry. I watched the documentary. I know too much. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Brittany said her mother never tried to stifle her creativity, and she considered her mother a crucial factor in her success. When I asked my mom to move to California, she sold everything and moved out here for me. She always believed in me. <laughs> she attended Vernay or Vern, Vernier Fowler School of Dance and Theater Arts in Colonia, New Jersey in 1982, which is still going strong. All right. From the age of four, she trained in singing, dancing, and acting until her move to California at 13. She really wanted to be on Broadway one day, and she did it. She made her debut in 1997 as Catherine in a revival of Arthur Miller's A View from the bridge opposite veteran actors Anthony LaPaglia and Allison Janey. Never seen it. I don't know what that is. I know Arthur Miller, but I've never seen that. I got nothing. Yeah. But get it, Queen. Yeah. I mean, she was going strong. Like, oh, I saw her when she was 10 in her little, like, school musical thing. She was so good. What? Shut up. <laughs> Stop looking at me like that. She, The girl's talented, okay? She landed her first job in Hollywood. How many times have you watched this documentary? Shut up. <laughs> A couple. Uh-huh. She landed her first job in Hollywood when she was 13, starring as Brenda Drexel in the series Drexel's Class. You probably don't remember that, I but I do remember that. Um, she then went on to play Molly Morgan in the short-lived The Torkelsons. You probably don't remember that one either. I know nothing. She was so cute. Uh, she also guest starred on several television series, including Parker Lewis Can't Lose, Blossom, I watched Blossom. You know Blossom. I used to have the little hats. <laughs> oh my god! How could you not have those hats? Of course you did. The blue jean one, the one with the flowers on it. Yep, I wore those style hats with flowers or bows on the front. Yep, 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 yep. That was cool. Sequest twenty thirty two, Murder One, and Frasier. She also had reoccurring roles on Party of Five, Boy Meets World, and Sister Sister. <laughs> I had to do it. But we all know and adore, and adore her for her breakthrough role as Ty Frazier in her second feature yes! film, the teen comedy Clueless. My fave. Mine too. Pretty Woman and Clueless. Those yeah. are our two movies Those for are the our night. Two movies. 
directed by Amy Heckerling, genius, uh-huh. which developed a cult following. Hello. <laughs> of course. We, we, we's that cult. <laughs> Raise your hand if you forced your parents to buy you plaid miniskirts. <laughs> we both like immediately raised raise our hands yeah it's true she followed with roles in freeway in 1996 which had wreath with reese witherspoon <laughs> jesus i love reese i i'm so sorry reese witherspoon and kirsten dunce hello in 1999 she had a supporting role in girl interrupted yes yeah it's fucking like, love that movie. oh my god i watched it last night <laughs> <laughs> well it popped up on netflix so i was like okay that's it's perfect timing yes ma'am it is ah yeah y'all it's on netflix right now go watch it go watch it <laughs> it has an eden chicken <laughs> you mean kitchen that's what i said, said asshole. asshole Ugh, love her daisy mm. Yeah, uh, so psychiatric patient played along Winota Ryder and Angelina Jolie, mm-hmm. mm. and as Lisa in Drop Dead Gorgeous. Still have not seen that movie, bitch. Okay, well, cancel out Pretty Woman and Clueless. We're Ooh, gonna no, just add it. Don't cancel. Uh, okay, well, it jumped Never above. Canceled. It jumped above. Okay. It jumped. Okay. D- d- okay. It went, okay. It, okay. It went like hopscotch. Checkers. It, it went like. <laughs> I guess this is why we do need to be on YouTube because no one knows what we're doing right now. I, uh, <laughs> I was bouncing and like jumping my hands at, at like different levels. Okay, I can't. I can't. <laughs> she also voiced the the character. <laughs> she, <laughs> I need more drink. <clears throat> my mouth is dry. Take your medicine, honey. Take your medicine. I'm. <laughs> I took it! It's gone! While you were doing your case, mine's all gone. So now my mouth is dry and I'm dying over here. Okay. Why, why you got an ah? That's... Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Proceed. You're not sorry. No, I'm not. <laughs> no. Okay! She also voiced the character of Luann Platter on Fox's animated sitcom, King of the Hill, (laughs) for the entirety of the show's run from 1997 to 2009, and Joseph Gribble until the fourth season. She She was was Joseph Gribble? Yes! I I didn't know that. I knew she was Luann, but I did not know that she was Joseph. So that's really cool. That's pretty cool. She was super close with another one of her co-stars on that show and another one of our faves, Kathy Najimy. I love her. Focus, focus. I love her. Yeah. Uh, she began the 2000s with a leading role in Don't Say a Word. That's good, too. I'll never, never tell. tell. Ah, I love it. Oh. Alongside Michael Douglas. Eight Mile in 2002, for which she received critical acclaim. And Uptown Girls in 2003. Also in 2003, she starred in romantic comedies, Just Married, and Little Black Book in 2004. And the critically acclaimed Sin City in 2005. Britney followed with several independent films. She returned to voice acting with a critically acclaimed 2006 feature, Happy Feet! As Gloria Penguin, 
In 2009, she was cast in the Lifetime TV movie tribute as the main killer, <laughs> killer character, Celia. Uh, she also completed the thriller drama Abandoned in 2009, and it was released in 2010 after her death. In November 2009, she left the production of The Caller, um, which was being filmed in Puerto Rico, and was replaced by Rochelle Levere. Levere. No, that can't be I don't know. I don't know. Let's just say there were creative differences. (laughs) Prince Ali (laughs) Ababa. I don't know that's why that's You interrupted my swallow. Oh my god. Let's just say there were creative differences is what I was trying to say. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, Prince Ali Ababa was pretty good. (laughs) That was worth it. Um, Something Wicked was her final film and was released in 2014. I have a photo. Busy Queen. That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of stuff. That is a photo of all of her movies. Well, all the, like, major. Oh, my stars. There were some that, like, didn't even have photos, so I left those out. Yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah. She was in Tinkerbell. She was in Bongwater. <laughs> yeah, she was. Yup. Yup. Oh, my goodness. She was in a lot of good stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Get it, go. So, uh, some people might not know, but she was also an incredible singer. She said, my singing voice isn't like my speaking voice. I've just always kept it a secret and never taken credit because I wanted to learn how to work behind the microphone in a recording studio. And some of the singers don't even know it was me recording on their albums. Okay. Yeah. Um, she was in a band called Blessed Soul with fellow actor Eric Balfour in the 1990s. On June 6, 2006, um, Brittany and Paul Oakenfold released the single Faster Kill Pussycat. Okay. From the album A Lively Mind, the song became a club hit and uh, a hit in number one on the Billboard's Hot Dance Club play chart. I don't remember this song, but it was also like number seven in Oakenfold's native United Kingdom in 2006. I have the song. Okay. I'm just going to play a little clip. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Okay. And there's a video. Okay, she looks super hot in the video. Yeah. She does not sound like herself. I know. Wow. Yeah. Um, don't worry. I will post the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. Um... So she dabbled in music again with the release of the film Happy Feet, in which she covered Queen's Somebody to Love and Earth, Wind, and Fire's Boogie Wonderland. She um, she said about her character, Gloria, Oddly enough, of all of the characters I've played, Gloria is most like me. And she's a penguin! George <laughs> Miller always wanted one person to do both the speaking and the singing. 
I said, I can sing. And I asked him to give me a shot. I don't think he took me very seriously because most actors say that they can do most things. Yeah. So, but she really could. Like, I, oh, I love her. Anyways, in late 2002, Murphy began dating Aston Kutcher. Oh! <laughs> her co-star in Just Married, once engaged to talent manager Jeff, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't look it up. That's fine. Jeff. Quatin... I don't know. Nets. <laughs> Quatinets. Quatinets. <laughs> um, Sounds not, like you're saying continents. Like, he's your a decent accent. looking guy, but <laughs> she she was like, she was ready for marriage. She was looking for that guy. And when she didn't find him, she ditched him real quick. She didn't want to waste her time. Yeah, I don't blame her. Bye. Then she became to jo- Joe <laughs> Macaluso. Oh my gosh. Is that how you would say that? I don't know. I'm not following along. Why are you not following along? Because I don't do that. <laughs> well, I need you to help me with these words. <laughs> okay. Macaluso in 2005. <laughs> A production assistant while... She met while working on the film Little Black Book. In August 2006, they ended their engagement. Also, in 2006, she met Simon. And it all went downhill from there. Mm -hmm. In May 2007, she married him in a private Jewish ceremony in Los Angeles. I have a picture of Britt and Simon. I know. Here we go, y'all. Okay, she looks fab in this picture. Yes, she does. She still looks amazing. Too when bad they she has met. that complete giant waste of space on her arm. Mm-hmm. Ugh. But she looks fabulous. I hate him so much. That lipstick is great. She looks so good. <sighs> okay. On December 20th, 2009, our sweet girl took her last breath after passing out on her bathroom floor in her home where she lived with her mother, Sharon, and her husband, Simon. A few hours later, around 10 a.m., she was pronounced dead at Cedar sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles. According to the coroner's report, she died of pneumonia with contributing factors of iron deficiency anemia and multiple dr- drug intoxication. Bullshit. She got sick during the trip to Puerto Rico. The one where her husband was so fucked up, he was oblivious to reality. Like, the director of that movie said that he was trying to get Simon's attention to, like, help Brittany out because she was struggling. And he snapped in his face and he just stared forward, like, out into space. Oh, my God. Yeah. Her mom said that they had all been battling an upper respiratory infection. Yeah, that's what that was. But Brittany never got better. There's a reason she never got better. Mm. She was never taken to the doctor, and she was only treated with over-the-counter meds along with other prescriptions found in the home. There were 90 prescription bottles found total on Monjack's side of the bed (sighs) the night of Brittany's death. And several in third-party names like Lola Manilow and Sharon Monjack. I need a drink. Ew. I need a drink. I'm mad. Yeah, it's gross. Um, which they presumed were aliases. 
people say she looked really sick in her final weeks and extremely thin and the light was just gone from her eyes. She wasn't Brittany anymore. I have a picture of her home, which used to belong to Britney Spears. All the Britneys. Mm-hmm. So I should live there next. If you want to. So I have a picture of the house. There's probably is, ghosts in there. I mean, if it's the ghost of Brittany Murphy. Hey. That's what I'm saying. Let's hang out. Okay. That's not my favorite style of house, though, but it's a fucking mansion. I like it. You know me. I want like a. I want my house to look like the house on Beetlejuice. I want my house to be like the Ooh. Adams Family house. I want an old creepy ass house. Okay. I mean, I could go either way. That's what she said. Just whichever presents itself first. <laughs> I want a goddamn castle, Amanda. I found us a castle. <laughs> it's for sale. It's new. Oh, I just bumped my mic. It's for sale. It's newly renovated. It's only. I don't know how, I don't remember how much it was. It was like, Do we need our kidneys? I mean, I could get rid of my right one right now. <laughs> it's, it's fucked. It can go. We can't get no money for your busted ass kidney. That's true. <laughs> what you got? <laughs> hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> How's your kidney functioning? <laughs> Um, I could sell, like, eggs. You could sell eggs. Maybe. Nobody wants your eggs. Hey. Are you 22? Have you seen my babies? You have beautiful babies. Are you 22? Nobody wants your eggs. Yes, I'm 22. (laughs) We determined that back in November. (laughs) Your face looks so beautiful (laughs) right now. (laughs) You're 21 and I'm 22. (laughs) This small audience not see this. <laughs> my dumbass looked. She did. She did. I was looking at your audience. Oh my god, we've got to start filming this. Would y'all like to see it? Yeah, they would. Okay. Hit up the inbox if you want to see a YouTube Yeah, let's YouTube take a poll <laughs> right now. <laughs> God. Okay. At the time of her death, Murphy was on a career backslide, appearing almost exclusively in slashers and straight-to-video features. Her downfall is the focus of What Happened to Brittany Murphy, a two-part HBO Max documentary which traces her early successes, self-esteem struggles, and sudden puzzling death. Okay, I didn't want to just focus on this documentary, but everything that I googled since this documentary just came out is all about this. Okay. And, I mean, it's it's right down to the meat and potatoes. We might as well get into all the conspiracies. Okay. The mystery surrounding her death deepened further when her husband Simon died of similar cases five months later. Mm-hmm. The film chronicles the upward trajectory of Brittany, an irresponsible little girl raised by a single mother with big dreams of one day becoming a fake famous actor. After receiving merciless feedback from producers and agents, Brittany gave herself an extreme makeover, dyeing her hair blonde and shedding a dramatic amount of weight from her already petite frame i thought she was freaking gorgeous and clueless i know i did too she was not fat no uh supposedly that role was supposed to be like 
the short fat girl. Yeah. She was not fat. No, she wasn't. No, not at all. Oh my. I'd pay dollars to look like that. Uh, lots. Yeah. Lots. So soon she started to land leading lady roles while becoming a tabloid mainstay during her relationship with Kutcher. But not long after their split, her career went into a tailspin with Britney booking fewer and fewer high-profile roles amid rumors of drug use and erratic behavior on set until her untimely death. It wasn't until after her passing that the public realized Britney had fallen into the grip of her husband, the British screenwriter and aspiring filmmaker who turned out to be a little more than a con man. But hindsight gives the film a clear perspective. Monjack, while an insidious force in his wife's life, was far from the only one to blame for her death. Let thee count thee ways. Thy douchebag manipulated her. <laughs> oh, I really God. wrote that. I, believe I you. wrote that. Okay. All right. Here we go. Into all of the conspiracy bullshit. And then I will give my opinion. Apparently, she has a lot. I'm going to try to refrain. <laughs> so, uh, Brittany's extreme weight loss likely played a role in her death. During her rise to fame, Murphy was subject to intense scrutiny from the media about her noticeably thinner appearance versus her clueless days. The documentary sheds some light on her transformation, with people close to the actress saying that the agent, that an agent telling Murphy she was huggable, but not fuckable. Oh, my fucking God. Mm -hmm. So that prompted her to lose a great deal of weight. Brittany herself recalled the humiliating moment in an interview magazine feature. The film also reveals that the anemia that the Los Angeles County coroner determined to be a major factor in Murphy's death was likely caused by the fact that she was extremely underweight. And rather than receive support at home, she faced further criticism from Monjack, who reportedly encouraged her throughout their marriage to get plastic surgery and lose even more weight. Oh my gosh, from where? I don't know, because she was already thin enough. Yeah. Um, his mother stated that he liked the anorexic look. Oh God. To develop an anemia of this nature, she was not eating, the coroner tells the filmmakers flatly. How did all of this develop? Not only did Monjack foster Brittany's grave condition, he also allegedly refused to take her to the doctor when she fell seriously ill in her final days. Okay. There have been doctors that have said if she had just gone one week earlier, she could have been saved. Yeah. That pisses me off. Yeah. Like, go to Velocity. Go to Quick Care. Yeah. Go to something. Brittany's mother and husband routinely slept in the same bed after she died. Ah, I hate that so much. They became extremely close after her death. Sources close to the duo report, report that they slept in the same bed after the actress died, clinging to each other in their grief. That's fucking disgusting. A post-death fo post photo shoot featuring Simon and Sharon holding hands and staring into each other's eyes looked more like parents grieving as opposed to a husband and his mother-in-law, one insider says. A joint interview on Larry King Live in which both Simon and Sharon 
appear extremely disoriented. Like, okay, if you watch this, Sharon looks fucked up. Like, she is on something. Mm-hmm. Like, her eyes are bugging out. She, She's almost... Like, she's totally incoherent. Like, she has no idea what's going on. She's just going off of what Simon says the whole entire time. <laughs> you said Simon says. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That fits. <laughs> Simon does say. And he... Mm, he's he's good at it. He's really good at it. How? Look at this dude. I don't know. But he... Like, several people have said, like, he is just... Ugh, that type nope. of person he mm-hmm. can charm you and he was even that way when he was a kid nope nope yep 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 okay this larry king interview they appear extremely disoriented and it did not to help to quell the rumors about their bizarre connection when king presses monjack as to why he didn't want an autopsy on his wife's body simon says This pristine body, curvy in all the right places, with skin like silk. How could I say, cut it up in front of her mother? You just said all that disgusting shit in front of her mother. Thank you. Like, he totally sexualized her right in front of her mother. Yeah. uh, Bro, you sleep in the same bed with her. Come on. Gross. Gross. You nasty fuck. While the film doesn't draw any definitive conclusions about the nature of the relationship between Simon and Sharon, it presents enough evidence, okay? Including those creepy photos to suggest it was unsavory at best. Would you like to see one? Sure. Mm. Okay. Okay. Simon and Sharon. Barf. Oh my God. Yeah, that's what I titled the photo. Calm the fuck down, people. Right? That's not like that, uh-uh. that's weird. I'm sorry. Like there's no. other photos of them looking at each other and they're holding a photo of Britney and like it's just weird. It's Y'all really are weird. Y'all are fucking I, nasty. I don't like that at all. All right, another one. Simon had not one but two secret children with other women. He had okay. a daughter and a son. I'm just gonna skip through what this says. Because the daughter was known. The son was not. Okay. He secretly sent this woman, um, both both women actually, like his daughter went to private school, but he was sending them like Britney's money. Of course his. he was, because he doesn't have any fucking money. No, he doesn't. He's a total con artist. His daughter's name is Jasmine. His son's name is Elijah. He's refuse that elijah is his but when you see a side-by-side photo that's his kid yeah. it's totally his kid they look identical poor kid i yeah like he abandoned this woman um that had his son he said look we'll be better off in the states and he sent her over there call me when you get there and I, you know and I'll, I'll be there shortly after well she called him when she got there i think he sent her to florida or something maybe new york i don't remember but she called him and she was like, hey, Simon, I'm here. Click. Never heard from him again. She couldn't get in touch with him. That was it. He sent her to the States and got rid of her. Oh, my God. What a piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. I hate him so much. Um. So the next one is he was a serial fabulous who told people, among other things, that he had terminal cancer that he cured with an experimental shark cartilage treatment <laughs> from a shark fin. 
I can't with this dude. Yep. Yep. He was suffering from <laughs> spinal cancer and needed shark cartilage treatments in order to recover. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> Just. I can't. <laughs> I, I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this dude's stupid, son. <laughs> like, he even swindled money out of his mother for these treatments. Oh, my God. And she was like, <laughs> in the interview, they were like, do you feel like he cheated you out of money? And she was like, no, he never cheated. I just gave it to him. <laughs> but you stupid. You blind. She's stupid. She's so blind to it. Um, <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I I can't. So he fed this lie to a lot of different people and they believed him. And prior to his relationship with Brittany, he met a filmmaker, Allison Burnett, at a dinner party where he told a simple guest that he was a billionaire with the world's largest collection of Vermeers, which is um, like Russian paintings. Okay. Um, he, like, he was all about me, 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 me. Of course. That he had dated Elle McPherson and Madonna, and that he had a collection of Ferraris, and that he was dying of brain cancer, which I thought it was spinal cancer, and, you know, that he purchased shark fins that saved his life. Whatever. They also, they were like, okay, you're bullshit, dude. Mm Mm-hmm. The sad part is, Brittany totally fell into his spell he was a definite predator Mm -hmm. he's one of those that you hear about that totally like secluded her from all her friends and family he totally took over every role in her life he was a complete narcissist he became her agent business manager and even makeup artist following the classic pattern yep following the classic patterns of a domestic abuser Simon cut Brittany off from all of her old friends and lifelines as their relationship progressed. According to several people interviewed in the film, he took over the email account and confiscated her phone and assumed complete control of her money. Like, if you wanted to get in touch with her, you had to go through him. Oh, my God. Um, He wasn't content just to rule over her personal life. Not long after they wed, he fired Brittany's entire professional team and became the sole manager of her career, negotiating her sex scenes. Um, One director in the film Across the Hall, uh, you can see footage of her. If you watch that documentary, it's very, very sad when you see this footage because it is not her. She's very disoriented. She doesn't know her lines. It's like she's... She's trying to do this sex scene, and all she had to do was, like, kiss this guy, and they were supposed to fall on the bed. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. Like, I feel ridiculous. What am I doing? It's so sad to watch it. He brainwashed her so hard. So this director, within an earshot of Simon, like, threatened to have her replaced. And um, I just, it was, it was bad. It was really bad. It was really hard to watch that part. Um, supposedly, she also struggled with drugs worse than the public knew at the time. And she did, unfortunately. But I t- completely believe that it was because of him. He found her at a very low point in her life where she needed direction and guidance. Mm-hmm. And she just needed somebody. I mean, she obviously had daddy issues, unfortunately. Yeah. And he swooped her up. Like, he was looking for somebody to marry, and so was she, mm-hmm. and 
Bing, bang, boom. There you go. That's so sad. Immediately after she died, there were speculations of drug overdose, mostly because of how young she was at the time. But while she was not a known addict, for years there had been whispers among Hollywood insiders that she had grappled with substance abuse. Multiple people interviewed her for the film, reported seeing Murphy high and glassy-eyed on set and at industry events, alleging that she and Simon would stay up all night doing downers and then uh, take stimulants in the morning and drink lots of coffee to fight the exhaustion. And during these late night binges that Simon would encourage Brittany to participate in creepy photo shoots. Okay. Where she would dress, he would dress her like a doll. Actually, okay, they showed these photos on the documentary. They weren't bad photos. I thought they were actually really creative. Like, they're they're kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But I thought they were pretty good. Um, I have one that they actually used for her funeral. Okay. He said that he thought that that was very appropriate because she's taking a bow and she it's like she's taking her final vow. Okay. That's um, in their house. I mean, it's not a bad picture. No, like they were actually really artsy, cool photos, but mm, just so, the fact that odd. they did that is weird. Like that's what they did. They would order food at like two or three o'clock in the morning like, she would never sleep. She wasn't eating because she was on all those pills. And you mm-hmm. don't think about eating when you're doing all that stuff. Yeah. And you, you're not hungry. You're not hungry. You're just not. You don't even really think about drinking water. <sighs> yeah. So, her mother, Sharon, has lived in seclusion since the death of her daughter. The documentary explains that um, she was left with little after Simon died. And it's really funny that he died the exact same way that she did. Like, they had the exact same diagnosis on the coroner's yeah, report. that's weird. Both of pneumonia. It's a little, little suspicious. I think he kind of let himself go because... The guilt? The guilt. And he didn't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Guilt and also maybe even a broken heart a little bit. Yeah. Because I think he did love her, but it was a, the wrong kind of love. Oh, no. It it wasn't healthy. I don't know. Anyways. So, after he died, Sharon attempted to sell diamond jewelry that he had had made for her uh, when him and Brittany first got together. He spent thousands maybe even millions of Britney's money to get all this jewelry as an investment. Mm-hmm. And after he died, she gave it to um, her publicist to go sell it to dealers. And he was like, well, I actually have like two clients that are really good dealers. He took them to both and they both said that they were fake. So he just took her money. Yep. Yep. Um, he spent $3 million of Britney's money in three years. I believe that. Yeah. He had complete control of her assets. He created fake property deeds and jewelry to assure Sharon and Brittany that he was investing their wealth smartly. Um, Sharon is not in the documentary. The last time she spoke publicly about the death of her daughter was in an open letter published by The Hollywood Reporter in 2013, which she wrote after Brittany's father, after um, Angelo Bertolani was not allowed to like come to her gravesite, he wasn't allowed to have any 
part of her life until he could like prove through DNA that he was her father, which is bullshit. Yeah. Uh, like he had to jump through all kinds of hoops, but I mean, it's stupid. It's he, he's her dad. Yeah. Give me a break. Yes, he wasn't involved, but um, he thinks that she was poisoned and they did actually have her hair tested for heavy metals. The reason they got her hair is because Simon had not touched that bathroom. We didn't look at the bathroom photos. I got distracted. Uh, go to bathroom first. Okay. This was the bathroom where she was found. There's cosmetics everywhere. Oh, my God. Everywhere. I, I couldn't Like, you, there, there's no spot where you... I couldn't function. Mm-mm. So, there's the counter and the shower. And to the right of the shower is a bathtub. Oh, my gosh. And if you keep going a little bit further than that, you'll go to the bathroom floor picture. Mm-hmm. There's a little, like, chaise lounger right there, and that was for her doggie. Aw. Uh, she actually tripped over that, like, fell on that, and then fell on the floor, like, where that rug is. Mm-hmm. And that's where she died. Okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's where they got the hair because there was, like, he didn't go in there anymore at all. Um, But they said that it was just from, like, hair dye and hairspray um, because they didn't find any in her blood. In okay. her blood, they just found, like, over-the-counter meds and some, like, Vicodin and Clonopin and Hydrocodone and narcotics, uh, all kinds of stuff. <sighs> yeah. So, um, Angelo has shown that he only wants to trade on Brittany's life, career, and good reputation, even at the cost of putting a cloud over her men- memory, she wrote. This is from Sharon. Mm-hmm. She was my baby, and we stood together throughout Brittany's life. Now I must stand up for her again. I want my Brittany to be remembered as the darling person she was, for the giant talent she showed to the world. And left behind in her movie and TV appearances. And for the friendships and loving relationships that were really a part of her life. So, that's all I have. I think uh, she was totally neglected. Oh, yeah. If he hadn't been so fucked up on pills. If her mom hadn't been so fucked up on pills. Yeah. Maybe somebody would have had the common sense to realize, like, she's really not okay. Yeah. And there's several people that feel guilty about it, that they didn't go snatch her. Like, there's her friends even had an intervention before she married him. And they brought all kinds of documentation showing that he was a fraud, that he embezzled money, all this kind of stuff. And she Mm -hmm. was still like, no, I'm not listening to it. I love him. He totally sucked her in. And it's so sad. But I do have some more... what? Her mother let it happen. And her mother let it happen. Her, her mother was right there with it. There's conspiracies her that her mom her, is trash. Her mom is trash. And there's conspiracies that her mom poisoned her and Simon. If she would ah. have gained money out of that. Yeah, but she got totally fucked. Yeah. So karma. if she had gained money out of that, I would say she did it. Well, she thought she had it secured. Like she thought. That after Simon died, she could cash in all that jewelry. But there was But there all was she was left was the house and whatever was in the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that was what happened, good. 
Mm-hmm. I'm glad she didn't get anything out of it. Um, but yeah, it's so sad. And there's something weird going on with them. It's it, yeah, like he I, he's a definite manipulator. Yeah, I'm like between and between her mom Simon, and, yeah, and he yeah. like I think Sharon wanted what Brittany had. Mm-hmm. She was living vicariously through her absolutely. Daughter. And then when she died, like she just clinged to him, and then he manipulated her mom as well. I don't know. He was totally fucked up. Yeah, I I just I don't like it. I have so much thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like, I could go on and on. We don't have the time of day. We don't. I know. I was going to say, I do have uh, a little photo collage. My favorite one is the top of right. Of our boo. The top right. You're a virgin, virgin who, who can't, can't drive. drive. <laughs> I know. That's my favorite. These are these are some of my favorite photos of um, her. The hair in the sister-sister picture is fab. I know. Yes. She's so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And that little photo of her on the beach that was at the Clueless premiere. They did really? it on the beach. Yeah. That's How cool awesome. is that? Instead of red carpet, it was yeah. on the beach. I like it. Yeah. But that's our boo. Little Miss Brittany Murphy. Yep. She has great eyebrows. I know. Even when they like when they were big and thick, great. Like yeah. When they're manicured, great. Great eyebrows. Throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Blessed. Mm-hmm. Well, good job. Thank you. And you didn't cry. I didn't cry. I got mad, but I didn't cry. <laughs> <laughs> I boohooed my ass off watching the documentary. I believe every I watched, I watched it like three times. <laughs> oh, so you lied earlier. What? Twice. Like two. It was twice. It was twice. Like two. Oh, so you're lying right now. No, it was twice because, well, okay, two and So and you half. agree then? You think two you're pretty? <laughs> I don't. No. <laughs> That's not. I know. <laughs> that bracelet. Oh, my God. I love your bracelet. Where'd, Where'd you, you get, get it? it? <laughs> oh, thank you for bringing that back up. <laughs> That's my jam, bro. Oh, we got to read. Segment. Oh, I was showing it like y'all were looking at like me on the computer. Yeah. yeah. Um, new segment. Serial killer calendar. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. You guys, this comes out on the 12th. Yeah. So we have one about someone who was born on the 12th and one about someone who died on the 12th. Okay. Okay. So the first one is Norman Avzal Simons, born January 12th, 1967. Ugh, Simon. Ugh, all the Simons. Also known as the Station Strangler is a South African rapist and serial killer who was convicted in 1995 on one count of murder and one count of kidnapping Elroy Van Rui, age 10. Aww. He was sentenced to 35 years in prison. That's it. Ugh. 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 The next one is Robert Black, born in 1947, died January 12th, 19... 19- 19. Oh my God. <laughs> January 12th, 2016. <laughs> was a Scottish serial killer and pedophile who was convicted of the kidnap, rape, sexual assault, and murder of four girls aged between 5 and 11. Now, I know. In a series of killings committed between 1981 and 1986 in the United Kingdom. Black was convicted of the kidnapping, rape, and murder of three girls on the 19th of May in 1994. 
He was also convicted of the kidnapping of a fourth girl and had earlier been convicted of the kidnapping and sexual assault of a fifth. What is happening? Douchebag box. Yes. It's a new thing. Douchebag box. Douchebox. Ooh, I like that better. This douchebag is douche, douchebag box is too hard to say. Douchebox. That doesn't sound good. It is what it is. It's a douchebox. That does not sound right. It, it, that's just what it, it, that I have no words. There are no words. Huh. Um, he was sentenced to life imprisonment with a recommendation that he serve a minimum of 35 years. Black was further convicted of the 1981 sexual assault and murder of nine-year-old Jennifer Cardi in 2011, and at the time of his death was regarded as the prime suspect in the 1978 disappearance and murder of 13-year-old Jeanette Tate. Mm. Black may also have been responsible for several other unsolved child murders throughout Britain, Ireland, and continental Europe between 1969 and 1987. The nationwide manhunt for Black was one of the most exhaustive UK murder investigations of the 20th century. He died in prison in 2016. Good reddit. Good. Bye. So that's what happened on this day in history. Ugh. A bunch of pedophiles. Great. Disgusting. Yeah. Completely. The world sucks. It does suck. I'm sorry. We're trying to make it better, though. Just listen to our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) One episode at a time. (laughs) Making the world a better place. Oh, God. We're at least making we're you doomed. laugh. <laughs> yeah, we're fucked, y'all. We're doomed. <laughs> okay, friends. Yep, we're done. Go follow, like us, rate and review us. We mm-hmm. still have stickers, by the way. We have so many stickers. Please, we friends, way over ordered. Review us so you can get your fucking sticker. Ooh, that was a little forceful. I didn't mean it to be forceful, but I kind of do. Get your fucking sticker. Yeah, They're so cute. Why would you not want a sticker? They are cute. Maybe we need to post a picture of the stickers again. Yes, y'all want stickers. Yeah. And they're signed. Are they? Yeah, the they ones are. that we've we did already... Sign yeah, them. they're signed. It has been that long since I've mailed a sticker, people. Don't disappoint, Brittany. She loves mailing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> to no. those of you no. who are waiting for things to be mailed... <laughs> Check your mailbox. <laughs> they, they did go out today. They went out today. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sorry, guys. Okay. The clusterfuck you hear on a weekly basis mm-hmm. times 10 is what goes on in my head every day. If that tells you guys anything. It's real. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. All right. So, um, rate, review, like, share us with your friends, your mailman, whoever. <laughs> <laughs> FedEx, whatever, UPS, your kids' daycare Amazon. teacher. Oh, kids' daycare teacher, <laughs> co-workers, yeah. bank teller, fast food people, hairdresser. Ooh, definite hairdresser. They like to talk. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. Okay. Okay. Oh, um, shout outs to uh-huh. our people. To Steven for editing and Craig for music. And that's it. Fuck you. <laughs> and Amanda for art. <laughs> and Brittany for being the brains behind the whole operation. I got brains. <laughs> so pretty. You are so pretty. Okay. So um, we will talk to you next week. 
Ja, ja. Bye, guys.